Hello, everyone. Welcome both the returning students of our seminary courses, as well as brand new people who are joining us here today from the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy for our talk on explaining the faith. Even if you are brand new and this is your first time here, that's okay. These talks are independent. God bless you. We're glad you could join us. You know, um, all of all the things I do in my priesthood, of course, the Mass and the sacraments are by, by far the best and the greatest and the most joyful. But I think of all my ministry work, this has become my favorite thing. And a lot of that has been because of the response of all you people, our Marian helpers, how you guys are enjoying these series, going back to seminary with me. So I wanted to be able to say thank you again. Um, and as Brother Mark showed you on the first screen, today's topic is why we need St. Joseph. <clears throat> Many of you are preparing for the consecration on Friday, March 19th. We're going to help you get ready for that. We're going to answer a ton of questions, things like, you know, was St. Joseph old or young? Did he ever commit a sin? And the famous, am I allowed to bury a statue of St. Joseph to sell my house? We're going we're to talk about all this, but most importantly, who he was and why he was important. Now, this is part, if Brother Mark can show our next slide, this is part, a continuing part of the Explaining the Faith series. And that series of talks, the first 13 talks, were not part of what I did here at the Shrine, but out on parish missions. So if you haven't gotten it, or even if you have, maybe you can consider getting it for a friend or for um, some Somebody that you think might take a look. So God bless all of you. Let us begin with a prayer. And you know what? I'm sorry. I should have probably mentioned on that screen if Brother Mark can put it back up. You can visit shopmercy.org to get that DVD and my new book as well on Divine Mercy or call 800-462-7426, which also has the new book I have out called Understanding Divine Mercy. Or if you want to stream those talks, you can go to thedivinemercy.org slash explaining the faith. Okay, so now let us begin <clears throat> with an important prayer, asking for the intercession of St. Joseph in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you open our minds and hearts to receive all the grace you wish to bestow upon us. Give us that gift of the intercession of St. Joseph, along with his spouse, Mary, that they may lead us to the throne of their son, to be able to ask for us to commit our, uh, to, for you to forgive our sins and for us to commit our lives to Christ. And through the intercession of St. Joseph, may Almighty God give us the grace during this next time of talking about his role in the universal church. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right, well, God bless everybody. Now, the important thing to start here is there's a lot of talk going on about St. Joseph right now, rightfully so. The year of St. Joseph has been declared. The consecration is sweeping the world. And that comes right from here, from the Shrine of Divine Mercy, from our Association of Marian Helpers, which I have the honor of being the director of. So Father Don Calloway wrote the book, but we are the ones helping to get it out there. He does too. It's a great movement. So you're going to be part of that. Even if you haven't prepared to consecrate yet, you can... Listen to today's talk and then prepare for the May 1st consecration. All right, so let us begin by asking what made St. Joseph so great? Well, he was the foster father of Jesus, of course. 
Yes, but it goes deeper than that. What did he actually do? The key is he loved. Now that sounds pretty straightforward, Father. I know we hear that all the time, but he gave us an example of how to do it. This is why he's important. It ties to mercy. He took love and showed love put into action. You know, love is is easily said and easily felt, but it's another thing to actually do it and do it in the right way that's true, authentic love, not phony love, not false love, like telling somebody what they want to hear because you don't want to hurt their feelings. No, love into action is mercy. And that's why St. Joseph is important. It was sufficient for his glory and it's sufficient for your salvation. So to get you to heaven, James in the book of James says that if we help save even one soul, that is what we can take with us on judgment day and it's enough to be saved. What you learn today and what St. Joseph's example was, we hope will help you to be able to save at least one soul. Now, you don't save it. Of course, God does. Christ did. His grace, his redemptive act. But we participate in it. So the word is to help save. All right. Now, he spent his whole life living with the two hearts. The sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary. So he obviously knows what to do. And we should learn from him how to love like he did in receiving those graces. That's what we're going to talk about today. All right, let's look at our next slide. There's a beautiful painting of the Holy Family. Now, we all know in the Holy Family who was the greatest? Jesus. Yep. Who was the next greatest? Mary. Yes. Who was the least of the three? Joseph. But who was the head of the holy family? Joseph. Both Mary and Jesus were obedient to him. This is incredible. And so we'll talk about that role and the importance of the role of the father. Now, it's amazing that God Almighty was obedient to two human beings. That shows the importance of not just Mary, but Joseph too. This is why we're here. Now, in midst of all his, his authority, Joseph, how did he use it? He didn't lord it over them like the scriptures tell us. No, he had the authority but never commanded Jesus to, to, to uh, perform a miracle. Mary didn't either. She asked at Cana, but Joseph never said, do this, son. I know a lot of fathers would, would take their son around the neighborhood. Uh, you know, why don't you fix that guy's, uh, uh, you know, roof over there, son? It'll make us real popular in the neighborhood. <laughs> Joseph didn't do that, all right? In fact, he didn't even ask Jesus to get the family out of poverty. In fact, he didn't even say to Jesus, save your own life when the time comes. So we see the role of St. Joseph accepting God's will silently in the background. He was a model of humanity to Jesus because Jesus already was divine, but believe it or not, in his human nature, he learned. That's why the scriptures tell us that he grew in wisdom. Well, how did he grow in wisdom? He was God in his humanity. Jesus in his nature was both human and divine. He had to learn in his humanity. That's why he learned how to be a carpenter. He grew in wisdom in the human sense because he let himself experience humanity. This is where Joseph is critical as a father for Jesus, but for us too. 
Now, every father shows his children what it is to be a man, a real man, not not a phony, but a real true blue man. And with his wife, they show the child how to be human. And this is why he's so important to be fully human with full holiness is to be in the image and likeness of God. Now, what's interesting about St. Joseph is he got to be a father figure for the incarnate son. So in a way, he's a living icon of God the Father. Whoa, but you never thought of Joseph that way. He's a living icon of God the Father. Let's look at our next slide, another beautiful painting. He is a protector. There is no need for us to fear. We have Joseph the protector. In fact, there was no record at all in the scriptures of there being any danger when Joseph took Mary and Jesus on the road to Egypt, and there was a lot of dangers back then, robbers and and whatnot, thieves. Anyway, Mary, we believe, was the source to the gospel writers of this account of what they went through, and there was no mention of any dangers. Now, if there were any dangers in the Bible that the Bible, excuse me, that happened in reality that the Bible didn't mention, that would mean that St. Joseph must have handled them without Mary and Jesus even seeing them. What a man. Wow. Kept it all not to worry, Mother Mary, or for the child Jesus to have to see. So the gospel writers later were told, probably by Jesus himself, that he was a just man, St. Joseph. So we must assume that Jesus instructed them about his living example of Joseph, what he witnessed from Joseph. And his father, Joseph, was a model, foster father, of course. So can you imagine how powerful that Jesus uses you as an example? Man, we should not not go to this guy if Jesus used him as an example of how to be righteous. We have a lot to learn from him. And what makes it great is he's a human creature like us. So he's who we should learn from. This is why God gives him as a gift. All right. There is a pious tradition. Let's show our next slide. There is a pious tradition that on October 13th, 1884, Leo XIII overheard a conversation between Jesus and Satan. Now, why is that important today? All right, because in this conversation that Leo XIII, the Pope, heard after Mass, you could see it, Jesus, the, the, the Satan taunting him, and, and Satan said to Jesus, I can bring down your church. This is pious tradition. And Jesus said, you think so? And he said, yes, but I need more time and more power. And Jesus said, how much power? He said, enough to convince those souls on the fence, the lukewarm, to come to my side. And I need more time. And Jesus said, how much more time? He said, about 100 years. And so it was granted to him, just like in the Bible where it says we must be tested. And so this was a test for humanity. Right now, we're not doing too well in the test. But God gives us the resources to withstand the challenge. And we're going to talk about that. But if Satan was given this 100-year reign, he said, I need about a 100-year reign. Let's look at the last 100 years. Now, the question begin is, one of the questions is, when did this 100 years begin? 
Did it begin from 1884 to 1984, which finished 100 years later with the consecration of John Paul of the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Or did it begin in 1917 and just be completed? Let's look at that. If from 1917 to 2017 are the 100 years that Satan ruled, let's look at what happened in the last 100 years. You've heard me say this before, but man, does this summarize it. In the last 100 years, we have completely accepted no-fault divorce and the destruction of the family. Contraception openly found on grocery store shelves for little children to see. Legalized abortion, shattered families, single parenthood, test tube babies, open homosexuality, instant access pornography, the corruption of higher education, the indoctrination of our youth, the redefinition of marriage, a giant welfare state, the destruction of the middle class, crippling debt, a rejection of our constitution, a stripping of our freedoms, especially religious freedoms, an embracing of Marxism, an acceptance of violence as a form of protest, and no one is accountable approach, yet everyone goes to heaven and there is no hell. This is the problem with the last hundred years. Pope Pius XII said mankind is more sinful today than he was even at the time of the flood, and that was in the 1950s. Now, we asked if this hundred years, many theologians believe, began from 1884 to 1984, or did it begin in 1917 and go a hundred years after that? Why 1917? All right, because 33 days or years later to the day that Pope Leo heard that conversation between Christ and Satan, October 13th, 1884, 33 years later to the day we had Miracle of the Sun at Fatima. Now, 1917 was a horrible year. Horrible. One of the worst in recorded history. World War I was raging. Death was everywhere. There was a true, real pandemic of the Spanish flu, killing millions, millions of people. The Masonic bankers took their first country in Russia. We had the Bolshevik Revolution. Also, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Plant Parenthood, she issued a film called Birth Control. She actually went to jail, spent 30, 30 days in jail. It was so scandalous. But where is it in scripture that God says where sin abounds, my grace abounds the more? Yeah. If these things are happening in 1917, do you think God was just sitting in the sidelines? Look what Jesus did, or God did. Let's look at our next slide. 1917. God answers with Mary appearing at Fatima. October 16th, Maximilian Kolbe forms the Mission Immaculata, which changed the world. Mike Gately talks about that a lot. Father Mike. Pope Pius XII was made a bishop in the Sistine Chapel, guess when? On May 13th, 1917, the day Mary appeared at Fatima. And Pope Benedict XV, on your right, did a novena to Mary, the mother of mercy, in 1917 to end the war. And on the eighth day of the novena, Mary appeared at Fatima. You think God's going to be outdone? No way. So, During this Fatima apparitions, in the last one in October, 1917, was the miracle of the sun. 
People always talk about miracle, Mary made the sun dance, but what very few people remember or realize or talk about is that God also gave a huge gift that day in St. Joseph. On that day in Fatima, on the miracle of the sun, October 13th, St. Sister Lucia said this, after Our Lady had disappeared into the immense distance of the firmament, we beheld St. Joseph. With the child Jesus and Our Lady robed in white with a blue mantle beside the sun. St. Joseph and the child Jesus seemed to bless the world, for they traced the sign of the cross with their hands. When a little later this apparition disappeared, I saw Our Lord and Our Lady. It seemed to me that it was Our Lady of Sorrows. Our Lord appeared to bless the world in the same manner as St. Joseph. Now, I'm going to have Brother Mark keep that slide up because Sister Lucia, this is very important, Sister Lucia, and that was the slide, as you can see, that um, Mary was seen at Fatima along with, with St. Joseph. Now, I'm sorry, let's go to the next slide. Let's keep talking about Sister Lucia here. She's the topic. Now, Sister Lucia, years later, said to Cardinal Carlo Caffara, quote, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. See Sister Lucia there in that picture? These are her words. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. But do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. All right, now this is important. Why? Why is this so important? Because right now in our world, we are fighting the redefinition of marriage, the destruction of the patriarchy, which is the defined movement of some of these social groups right now. Abortion legalized and called a, a, a good thing. These are all dangers. The things that are being attacked most right now are the family and the church. And guess who is the patron saint of both? Saint Joseph. If Satan said, <clears throat> and Satanists tell us this, that Satan's target is the family and the church, but yet we have one saint who is the patron saint of both, Saint Joseph, why aren't we turning to him more? Finally, the world is starting to. So Satanists all say this, that this is Satan's biggest target, that the foundation of society is the church and the family, and this is why it's being targeted. So as the guardian of the family and the church, St. Joseph has everything we need right now, everything. And this is why the Pope declared the year of St. Joseph. As the patron of the universal church, we must pray because the churches are still closed. Pray for churches to open and for holy priests. And we're coming up on his two big feast days. March 19th, next Friday, that's why I'm doing this talk today, is the husband of Mary. It's, 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 it's the family. And then on May 1st, it's St. Joseph the worker, which also is about the family the worker providing for the family. So this is why one of our beautiful paintings that you can get on Divine Mercy Art, excuse me, divinemercyart.com is this photo or this painting. Workers, this is St. Joseph the worker with the child Jesus. Workers are needed and so are prayers. We need the prayers for these workers. They're laid off, their families are struggling, the fathers need to protect them. 
and they're trying to provide. This is one of the beautiful paintings you can get on divinemercyart.com. All right, now let's get into St. Joseph. Like any child in his youth, Jesus needed the care and protection of a human father. To deny the child both parents, and this is what some movements are doing in our world today, is very detrimental. So we got to pray to St. Joseph for the protection of the family. As this final battle said, it would be about marriage and the family. You know, most studies all show that of the men in prison, a vast majority, like over 90%, didn't grow up with a father. Man, now God is giving us the chance to have a father, even if you did not have a biological father, if you didn't have a real father, maybe he died, maybe he left, whatever it is. Maybe he was distant or estranged. God is giving us the gift of a father like he did with Mary as a mother. This is it. Our families need to come together again. God's giving us a chance to now spend time with our family. This is one of the greater goods of the pandemic. The horrible evil is the fact that we can be together as a family. But Father, my family's dysfunctional. I don't want to be there. Well, yeah, help put the fun back in dysfunctional, <laughs> right? Now, the Bible tells us that in a certain way, even the Holy Family had this struggle, you know, the Bible talks about the incident of losing Jesus, and then they found him in the temple. Like any family, they didn't communicate, and then they got upset with each other when they couldn't know, when they didn't know where he was. This is really an amazing story because maybe God wants us to realize that even the most holy family of all history, right, was like every other family. I think this is powerful. People couldn't believe that Jesus came from a normal family. And so isn't he the carpenter's son, they would ask? This is awesome. Now, also, the most, and I would say maybe most importantly, St. Joseph is the patron of a happy death. Why is this so important? This is very important. Um, they believe, now, okay, I'm going to talk about in a minute when they think St. Joseph died, but they believe, many uh, theologians believe it was in the year 18 AD, which means Jesus was like 18 or 19 years old, 17, 18, 19 years old. This is important. We need him because at the moment of death is where the demons come for us more than any other time. The demons flock to us and they want to steal our soul. They want us to despair. This is why you see some people agitated at death and other people peaceful at death. Pray that St. Joseph is with your loved ones, especially now in the time of coronavirus, with the threat of death. He died in the arms of Jesus and Mary. Now that means he's a model for a pious believer who receives many graces at death through his intercession. All right, this is a terrifying reality. The demons are going to come for us. But if we're ready, they can't touch us. They can't take our soul. So pray to him especially for those that you know that are sick or may be in jeopardy of dying. So, St. Joseph, pray for us. Now, how do we know who he was when he didn't say anything in the gospel? You know, what are the most powerful words Joseph ever said? Nothing. Now, some of you wives might be looking at your husband and say, hey, you should take a, an example from St. Joseph. He didn't talk. <laughs> now, what though the Bible does say about St. Joseph all right, although he didn't speak, the Bible says he was a righteous man. 
And we're going to look at another painting we have. Look up on your screen now. Brother Mark's going to put up. This is one of the other paintings that Brother, uh, excuse me, Father Don Calloway had commissioned on St. Joseph. This one is very good selling. Again, divinemercyart.com because it is a great model for us. This is a model. St. Joseph is a model that is a goal for us men to lead. Look at him there. Does he look like a passive, effeminate? No, he is a leader. He's the role. Me as a, as a shepherd and you as a husband and a father. And this is important. So most of all, though, St. Joseph brought the, the beauty of trust. This is what's so important. We want to get to heaven, right? You want to get to heaven. I want to get to heaven. We wouldn't be here. If you want to get to heaven, though, you got to have grace. All right, Father? And you want to have grace? Yeah. Well, then you need to trust. Because Jesus told St. Faustina, trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. As God showers grace upon you, how are you catching it? If God showers grace upon you, is it just going to be like a shower of water that just splashes off your body? Or are you going to be like rich soil with a plant that the water soaks in? For us humans to receive that grace from heaven, we have to have a container to catch it. Jesus said that vessel by which all grace is received is called trust. And what is trust? Trust is accepting the help that somebody offers you. If you trust somebody and they offer you help, you're going to take it. If you don't trust them, you're going to say, thank you, but that's okay. So God is giving us the, the gift of a mother and a father, Mary, our mother, and Joseph, our foster father, like Jesus to him was. This is powerful. This is powerful. All right. So the great example is, is Joseph. Now, what hurt Jesus the most was our lack of trust. Jesus told St. Faustina that what pained him the most in his passion wasn't our sins, was our lack of trust. So this is why we go to him. And this is why Father Don's book, let's put up the next page. I got a very, something very special for you today. Grab a pen and paper. Because on this slide, we ended this promotion on March 1st. What it was, was Father Don's book, Consecration to St. Joseph, for any donation. Any donation. And so you can't afford the full price. Okay, that's fine. We want to give back to you. And we had this on uh, marion.org, if you look at the bottom left, slash ST Joseph, or call 800-462-7426, and you can get this book for any donation. I'm going to run this special for you guys until the feast day, which is Friday. So this week, you might want to consider, you don't have to do it now, don't worry, you don't have to do it now, you can do it later today or anytime this week. We're going to run it through Friday night of next week. So please consider getting that. This is why it's powerful, and this is what we have. All right, now, one of the stories about St. Joseph that I think is awesome, and I love, and you know, in fact, Father Don even talks about this story. You know, Father Don, yes, his book is about consecration, which means setting yourself apart to be holy and asking for St. Joseph's help to make you holy so then you're ready to go to God. That's what consecration is. It's not worshiping Mary or St. Joseph. When you consecrate to Mary or St. Joseph, you're setting yourself apart and saying, hey, would you clean me up before we go meet the king? It's like, it's like having a, a woman take you into the bridal chamber before you meet your spouse and she gets your makeup right and your hair right. And she gets you prepared. Then you come out to meet your spouse. St. Joseph, for the guys especially, women too, he can do that. 
Consecration is setting us aside to make us holy. He helps make us holy like he was, so then he can take us to the king, to our spouse. And so this is how St. Joseph does it. And he helps us when we call upon him. A great example was this awesome story about the staircase of the Sisters of Loreto in, Saint, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Back in the 1800s, a bishop asked for the re women's religious communities to consider opening a school for girls. The Sisters of Loreto responded and they sent six sisters to Santa Fe to open the Loreto Academy. I'm gonna show you a video on this in a minute. The chapel was begun in 1873, but here's what happened. The architect died before it was finished. And what happened is they realized there was no way to get to the choir. Can you imagine? You build a chapel and then you don't think of how to get to the choir. So the, the height of the loft was, was 22 feet. And so here was the problem. Given that height and the small size of the chapel, the staircase wouldn't fit, it would have had to taken up half the room in the chapel to get it to come down from the loft. So it would have been a real challenge. So the sisters didn't know what to do. They began praying a nine day novena to, you guessed it, St. Joseph, the patron saint of carpenters. On the final day of the novena, a carpenter showed up at the door with only a hammer and a square, T-square. Now, this guy asked to be working in private. He wanted to be left alone, and he was there for months. And he built what is known as the miraculous staircase with simple tools, not even nails, but wooden pegs. This rear wood that he used wasn't even from the region. It, they don't know where it came from. It didn't come from New Mexico. It didn't come from the Southwest. And then the carpenter disappeared without even receiving thanks. And the sisters tried to call around and find out who opened account to get all the supplies. They wanted to pay for it. There was no account. Nobody had ordered supplies from any local hardware stores back then. This is amazing. So some people believe that that carpenter was St. Joseph or at least somebody he had sent. And the staircase... I'm an engineer. I'm a degreed engineer. And I actually saw this staircase and it baffles the mind because it's a spiral and it makes two 360 degree turns, but it has no center support. Theoretically, engineering, architecturally, the staircase should collapse upon itself. All the weights on the one bottom stair, it would crush, but it doesn't. So this whole thing is amazing. The entire weight, it should collapse upon itself. So in the video, you're going to see it. They did add banisters on the side just so people wouldn't fall off in later years. But let me show you a quick three-minute, 50-second video that shows you this incredible story.
Don't you gotta love a story like that? God gives us so many miracles. Last week we did the Eucharistic miracles. God bless all of you who watched those, but God gives us these little miracles like that staircase. Amazing. All right, let's keep going with some famous questions about St. Joseph. One of the big ones, was he an older guy or was he a younger guy? I don't wanna to spend too much time because the answer is we don't know. And there's some reasons to believe he's one or the other, but the church has never definitively said you have to believe one or the other. It is within church teaching that he could have possibly been a widower with children from another marriage. Now there's other pious tradition that he was a virgin. So again, the church is not dogmatic or doctrinal teaching that you have to believe one way or the other. Now, Father Don points out, and many agree with him, that the average age for the Jewish newlyweds were 16 for a woman and 18 for a man. That also seems very possible that that would have been what Mary and Joseph could have been. So anyway, what about the tradition then? We talk about this pious tradition, all right? If he was old or young, well, let's start with when he died. Um, we may suppose that Joseph died before Jesus's public life. And the reason why is because, well, let's jump right to the crucifixion. If Joseph was alive, there would have been no way Jesus would have given Mary to John on the cross if Joseph was still alive. So we can pretty much ascertain that. Now, let's go to our next video, or uh, sorry, slide. Here is a very powerful painting of the death of St. Joseph. Now, there's an apocryphal story Apocryphal means it's not, we don't accept it as inspired by the Holy Spirit, but we can look at it traditionally. And look at this photo or this painting, because it does show that, all right? It's called the story of Joseph the carpenter, which actually said he died on July 20th, the year 18, at, you guessed it, 111 years old. <laughs> so anyway, some of the art has shown him to be older. Now others... It's absolutely acceptable, as Father Don points out, to be younger. It makes a lot of sense that he was a strong, younger man. Now, St. Um, uh, Epiphanius says that he was 90 when he died, and Venerable Bede says that he was buried in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which is where we will all gather for the general judgment. Wow, Armageddon. All right, now other scholars say <clears throat> that he most likely probably died in Nazareth. All right. We don't know that, though. Now, what about the other famous question? Did St. Joseph ever sin? All right. Now, you have to reverse that question and say, has there ever been anybody free, completely free of sin? No, only the Blessed Mother. Well, wait a minute, Father. Pious tradition says John the Baptist and St. Joseph never committed a sin. Possibly, but they were still conceived with original sin. Mary was not. That puts her in a different ranking. Now, if Joseph and St. John the Baptist never committed a sin, they were still conceived with sin, but they were sanctified in the womb. John the Baptist was sanctified in front of Mary when she visited Elizabeth, and it said the child leapt in her womb. That was John the Baptist. Danced was the word in Hebrew, like, like the, uh, David danced before the Ark of the Covenant. John the Baptist danced in front of Mary, the new Ark of the Covenant. Now, the tradition is, some theologians maintain that St. Joseph, too, was pre-sanctified in his mother's womb. Now, that's similar, like I said, to St. John the Baptist, and that this sanctity 
reached a higher level than even the angelic choirs of cherubim and seraphim. Wow. Why was he given that? Because the close proximity that he had to Jesus and Mary, he had to have that level of holiness. Next to Mary, if he's going to spend his life with Jesus and Mary, he's got to have a level of holiness that's way above anybody else. It makes sense. And that is why he was called the protector of the family and also became the protector of the church. All right, the patron of the universal church. Now, these, these scholars and theologians point out that Joseph was the true and legal and spiritual husband of Mary, the mother of God. So all of his virtues and gifts flowed from that fundamental principle. The very fact that he spent his life with Jesus and Mary, he had to have tons of this grace to be a holy level, to even be in, in, in like them and live with them. And of course, have them obedient to him. Are they going to have Jesus and Mary obedient to a man who isn't holy? No. And so here we have, let's look at our next slide, the level when people ask you this question, why do you Catholics worship the saints? No. Why do you pray to the saints? That's worshiping them. No, we're asking for their intercession. Don't you ever ask a friend at work, hey, you know what, pray for me. I'm going to have surgery next week. Nobody says you're worshiping that person. So let's look at these, the three levels. All right, there's or four, actually. There's four levels of worship and honor. Only the first one is worship, latria. This is the worship owed to God alone. The second level now we're talking honoring, is called hyperdulia. This I learned in seminary. Right now I'm taking you right back to seminary with me. God bless you seminary students. This is the highest veneration or honor, but not worship. Not worship. And this was given to Our Lady alone because of her role as the mother of God. But then you have protodulia, which is the honor awarded to St. Joseph alone, he was first or proto among the other saints. And then fourth, we have dulia, which is the honor owed to the rest of the saints just by saying, man, I totally, totally honor the fact that you are with God in heaven because of your sanctity. So this is important. Now, this was important because Joseph was involved in the virgin birth of Jesus. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Now, Luke tells us all about the details of the birth. But Matthew tells us more about where Jesus came from through the eyes of Joseph. But you didn't maybe realize that. Jesus comes from David. He's from the line of David, the line of Judah, right? He's from the line of David. But is he through Mary or Joseph that Jesus came from the line of David? The actual answer is both. Jesus came from the line of David by Mary through blood. She was actually a direct descendant of David. And he came to us through, from the line of David through Joseph by inheritance or the legal. And many theologians say Joseph too was actually of the bloodline of Jesus, but there was no blood of Joseph in Jesus. So they both came from the line of David. Joseph by his blood was from David, and by inheriting the legal aspect of Jesus, Jesus also received the line of David from Joseph as well, even though Joseph's, none of Joseph's blood was in Jesus. I know this is a lot, but it's, it's fascinating stuff. All right, now Luke, 
was talking to a Gentile audience, meaning non-Jewish, and he shows the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam. Why? Because it goes beyond the start of the Jews. Whereas Matthew, whose audience was the Jews, starts the genealogy of uh, Jesus at Abraham. Now, I don't know if Brother Mark can show the saints behind me, but if you look, the second one from the left of the image of divine mercy, people ask us all the time, Father, who is that apostle and why does he have a little child with him? That apostle, the second one from the left of the image of divine mercy is St. Matthew. The reason he has a child is because it shows the genealogy. And the genealogy that Matthew did went all the way back to Abraham because he had a Jewish audience. So this is important. Now, betrothal was what we might call a ratification of the engagement. All right, it was arranged many times as children. They still do this in many countries. Once the betrothal was entered into, it was totally binding for one year. This is the time that, that, that the angel appeared to Mary. She was in this betrothal. Remember it said for a virgin who had been betrothed to a man named Joseph. All right, now, the couple were basically known as man and wife, although they didn't have the rights yet, the conjugal rights yet. They were still known as man and wife. It could only be terminated by divorce. And so Joseph was planning a divorce, was not unrighteous. He actually had good reasons to want this divorce. If he didn't divorce her, others would think he got her pregnant. So now there are three theories. Father Don Calloway talks about this in his book of why Joseph decided to end this betrothal and, and, and go to have the separation. All right, the first theory is that he was a righteous man and he shunned any immorality. So the fact that Mary was pr uh, pregnant must have meant somehow she was unfaithful of adultery and therefore being a righteous man, not knowing the full truth yet, Joseph wanted the separation. Justin Martyr held this view. St. John Chrysostom held this view. St. Augustine even held this view. Now there was another view that he was perplexed. He didn't think that she was unfaithful, but he's just like, man, this is way too much for me. I'm confused, something's not right here. This is strange, kind of a middle ground. That was St. Jerome, he held that view. But the reverence theory that Father Don supports and I support is that he knew it was of the Holy Spirit, but he thought himself unworthy. I can't take this on. It's kind of like me for the priesthood. I denied my priesthood, called to the priesthood for the longest time because there's no way I'm worthy. So St. Joseph thought the same thing. God then says, no, don't, don't focus on yourself. I'll work with you. You're broken. Don't worry about that. But I can still use you. And so Bernard of Clairvaux, St. Thomas Aquinas, believed that this was the truth. All right, now, Joseph actually could have profited by divorcing Mary publicly. He could have got his dowry back. What is dowry? It's like the money you pay to the family to be able to have this bride. He could have recouped this cost that he paid to have her as a bride. That's just the way it was then. If he had paid out a betrothal at, um, I'm sorry, paid a bride uh, price, if you will, at betrothal. Now, being a just and God-fearing man, Joseph didn't want to do this. That's quite a guy 
forgoing all the money he could have got back for his bride payment. And he said, no, I don't want to embarrass or punish her. So he was forgoing all of this to not dishonor her. That's a righteous man. He was not hasty to judge or to react with hurt or anger. And he was very much righteous. He was always pure. This is why you see him with lilies. Tradition is that when Joseph asked for the hand of Mary from Joachim and Ann, uh, there were other men courting or not courting her, but um, requesting Mary's hand in marriage. And they laid the staffs, their, their walking staffs down, and St. Joseph sprouted a lily at the top of it, which means purity. And so you often see Joseph in his picture with a lily coming out of the top of his staff. Now, God rewarded him with this choice to not embarrass Mary by giving him consolations and many graces. Let's look at our next slide. All right, this is the angel appearing to Joseph. The poor guy, you know, he must have been really confused here. Notice that the angel appeared to Joseph only after he decided to do the charitable thing. <laughs> the angel didn't appear to him before. He's like, well, how can I get her back? And I want my money back. No, God reveals more of his plan to us, just like this picture of the angel with St. Joseph. A lot of people say, well, how come God doesn't talk to me in a dream like he did St. Joseph? Well, we have to fully be like St. Joseph because his plan, this is interesting. God will reveal more of himself to us if we respond like St. Joseph did in times of crisis. Um, it's almost like God says, you know, treat others well and you'll, I'll give you more of an understanding of me. I'll share more of myself with you. In a crisis, we usually tend to only worry about ourselves. That's why you always hope as a man that when the building's on fire, you're not going to try to run out the back door and save yourself, but you're going to save others like some of the heroes at 9-11. You know, usually we think of only ourselves. He could have said, I want my money back, but he was more worried about dishonoring Mary. So this really was, this visit of the angel to St. Joseph was really like a second annunciation, the theologians tell us. The first annunciation was the angel telling Mary what was going to happen with the birth of the child. The second annunciation was the angel coming back and telling Joseph, don't worry, you're part of this. Wow, it's really like a second annunciation. This yes that then Joseph gave is kind of like a second fiat that Mary gave. So Jesus would have not had the appearance of an earthly father if Joseph said no. And by Joseph saying yes, he had a respectable lineage. You see how this all fits together? And in fact, the same thing can be said of the assumption. We know Mary was the first assumption, but in 1960, Pope John XXIII said, the assumption of St. Joseph is worthy of pious belief. Almost like he would have been assumed like Mary was. We can believe that. Some even say St. John the Baptist was assumed. But anyway, people say, well, you know, Father, this whole story is a fairy tale. The Bible tells us that they did not have relations, Joseph and Mary, until she bore a son. Well, St. Jerome explains this. He says the words, the word until does not signify 
that something changed afterwards. It is only saying something about what was not done before that moment. It makes no statement about what was done after it. I'll give you an example. The Bible says, Jesus says, I shall be with you until the end of time. Does that mean at the end of time, Jesus stops being with us? Nope. He's with us now in the Eucharist, and at the end of the time, he'll be with us in heaven. Christ said, I shall rule until all enemies are put under my feet. Does that mean once his enemies are put under his feet, which they will be, he will no longer rule? Nope. You see, you have to understand the meaning of the language. This is the language of Scripture. Well, it says Jesus was her first begotten son. That means there was more afterwards. That does not mean other children came after Jesus. The term firstborn in the Bible was used mainly to express the privilege the privileged position of the firstborn child, even if there were no other children after that. I didn't learn this to seminary, and this is why I want to take you back to seminary with me. This is why I'm so honored that you guys are, are wanting to do this because you guys are responding. It's amazing. You're watching these talks. You're seeing and seeing the power that God gives in the grace of our faith, but we got to know it. We know that Mary was a virgin. In fact, if you have a non-Catholic needling you about Mary being a virgin, you could say, well, you know, you must then be a Protestant or non-Catholic. Yeah. Well, do you know that the fathers of the Protestant Reformation believe Mary was a virgin? Yeah. Protestant father Zwingli said, quote, I firmly believe she remained a virgin, meaning Mary, pure and intact in childbirth and also after birth for all eternity. That's a Protestant father. You should laminate that, keep it in your pocket for the next time somebody challenges Mary's virginity. You say, well, gee, you're Protestant, but your own Protestant father believed Mary was a virgin. What about the, the words used in Scripture? In the Greek, adelphos. In the Hebrew, ah, can mean either brother, biological brother, or a cousin or close relative. It says Jesus has brothers, yes, but it doesn't necessarily mean biological. The words adelphos in Greek or ah in Hebrew could mean a cousin or a, a stepbrother or a close relative. All right, brothers can mean these things. Jesus would not have given Mary to John on the cross if Joseph was alive, I said, but also if he had any living brothers, biological brothers. By Judeo law, he would have happened to give in to Mary to one of those biological brothers when he was on the cross. He didn't. We know John was not his brother. So this shows he didn't have any. What about in the Old Testament? I always point this story. Who was Lot in <clears throat> relation to, Gen uh, to um, <clears throat> excuse me, who was Lot in relation to Abraham? Well, father, it was his nephew. Yeah, if you're reading Genesis eleven twenty seven. But if you're reading Genesis fourteen fourteen, it says Lot was Abraham's brother. Now you can't be both your brother and your nephew. So, brothers of Jesus, it also says in the gospel. This one, oh, this nails you Catholics. The brothers of Jesus, James and Joseph, the sons of Mary. Oh. That one's irrefutable. The brothers of Jesus, James and Joseph, the sons of Mary. You have to keep reading, because if you follow it further and you read it, you see that they're talking about Mary, the wife of Clopas. 
not our Mary. What Jesus be, or um, uh, Joseph be celibate, or Jesus even be celibate, or Mary be celibate? This is crazy. The Jews didn't do that then. Oh, yeah? Yes, they did. You ever hear of the Essenes? The ones where Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls? The Essenes consecrated themselves to virginity. So it was not unheard of. Indeed, there's even room in traditional ancient Judaism for celibacy within marriage. Did you know that? That means, well, Mary, 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 Joseph, that means they had to have relations. No, there's a tradition of even celibacy within marriage. How do we know this? Turn to Exodus 19.15. There we are told that Moses, he was married, remained continent, <clears throat> the rest of his life after the command to abstain from sexual intercourse was given prior to meeting God. Wow. God has a plan. Let's talk more about this plan. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas discussed the necessity of having St. Joseph in the plan of the incarnation. In his youth, Jesus needed the care and protection of a father. We talked about this, a human father. Not just the ultimate father in heaven, but the human father on earth. If Mary had not been married, the Jews would have stoned her. It was important. And as said, it is not a contradiction of Joseph's manly holiness that he wanted a divorce. The important words, though, that are mentioned in the Bible, that he planned to do it quietly, are the key. That shows he was righteous. He was a righteous man, unwilling to expose her to shame. So like David, which he came from, we know he was a man of faith, obedient to what God asked of him. He immediately took her for his wife and fled to Egypt, leaving everything. He wasn't rich, and yet he did this. He didn't ask, how are you going to supply for me? How are you going to provide for me? In the temple, he offered two pigeons, which were for those who could not afford a lamb. So how did he make men's meat or ends meet? He was a hard worker. And I touch a little bit on this, not much, but the worker in St. Joseph. May 1st, we celebrate the feast coming up. You can consecrate on the day St. Joseph the worker. St. Paul says, if you do not work, you do not eat. And now this, of course, not if you're sick or you're unable or you have medical reasons. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who can. You know, John Paul II said, Work is an obligation, that is to say, a duty on the part of man. Man must work both because the Creator has commanded it and because of his own humanity, which requires work in order to be maintained and developed. Man must work out of regard for others, especially his own family. This is why we turn to Joseph, but also for the society he belongs to the country of which he is a child, and the whole human family of which he is a member. Now listen to this. This is amazing. This is the words of John Paul II. He says, you know why you got to work? Because you were the heir, I was the heir, from the work of generations past. Generations past provided me this shrine. Generations past provided me the priesthood and the ministry I do. Generations past provided me automobiles to travel. Generations past provided me food on my table by learning how to grow crops and livestock. And so he says that you are the heir to work of 
prior generations, and at the same time, you need to work to be able to provide for future generations. That's amazing. He did that in on-human work. That's, that's incredible. Pope Benedict weighed in on this. I, I don't want to spend too much time, but he said the primary capital, though, don't let work become the end in itself. He said the primary capital be safeguarded and valued is the human being, the human person with integrity. Man is the source, the focus, and the aim of all economic and social life. So we can't abuse it if you're a boss or a manager or a business owner. Basically, we can't treat workers unfairly. Do you know that's one of the sins that cries to heaven with vengeance? Treating workers unfairly. That's amazing. All right. Let's talk, though, about another hard worker, St. Faustina. She was a laborer, as a portress, and a cook, and a gardener. She was a hard worker. And who did she turn to? St. Joseph. She had visions of St. Joseph. When one day she were, I'm going to read you a couple passages, number 608 in the diary. All right. When Mass began, a strange silent and joy filled my heart. Just then I saw Our Lady with the infant Jesus, the Holy, the, oh, wait a minute. I just saw Our Lady with the infant Jesus and the Holy Old Man, St. <laughs> Joseph. So there's, there's kind of a little hint there that Faustina is saying now he could have aged in heaven. We don't know, right? Standing behind them. The most holy mother said to me, take my dearest treasure. And she handed me the infant Jesus. When I took the infant Jesus in my arms, the mother of God and St. Joseph disappeared. I was left alone with the infant Jesus. Wow. Let's look at another passage, Diary 846. During mass, God's presence pierced me through and through. A moment before the elevation, again, always the key point of the mass, I saw the mother of God and the infant Jesus, <laughs> and listen to this one, and the good old man, St. Joseph. <laughs> so again, you're free to believe how old St. Joseph was. Let's show one more on the screen here. This is one of my favorite quotes. Let's look at the passage of St. Faustine. I know that text is a little small, but I'll summarize it for you. This is Diary 1203, all right? This is interesting. All right. St. Joseph urged me to have a constant devotion to him. Wow, that means we should too. He himself told me to recite three prayers every day, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be, and the Memorari. Now there's a Memorari to St. Joseph, but he was talking about the Memorari to Mary every day. He looked at me with great kindness and showed me how much he is supporting this work of mercy. He has promised me the special help and protection. I recite the requested prayers every day and feel his special protection. I tell you what, if he's good enough for St. Faustina, he's good enough for Jesus Christ, he's good enough for Mother Mary, he's good enough for me. Bottom line. St. Teresa of Avila even said this. She recognized St. Joseph as the protector for all circumstances. You know how we usually take a certain saint for a particular thing? Like, you want protection from a storm, you want this, you want protection from cancer, St. Peregrine, you know, you want uh, uh, protection from impossible situations. It's uh, our own Saint um, Pap uh, Stanislaus Papchinsky. But St. Teresa of Avila said, St. Joseph covers all circumstances. She said, quote, 
To other saints, the Lord seems to have given grace to help us in some of our necessities. But my experience is that St. Joseph helps us in all of them. Wow. So, our Holy Father promoted this. Let's show our next slide. Patris Corde. This is an apostolic letter, recent letter, entitled, With a Father's Heart. That's what that means. And it came from, from the Holy Father. The letter marks the 150th anniversary of Pope the Ninth's declaration of St. Joseph, the patron saint of the church. Okay, now, to celebrate this anniversary, Pope Francis declared what? Let's look at our next slide. The year of St. Joseph. We're in that right now. The year of St. Joseph. So beginning on the Immaculate Conception of 2020, going all the way to the Immaculate Conception of 2021, we are in the year of St. Joseph. Many special prayers and plenary indulgences that you can get, and I'll tell you about. This he put together because of COVID. Why? Why St. Joseph and COVID? All right. The Holy Father said that St. Joseph has helped us to see more clearly the importance of ordinary people who exercise patience and offer us hope every day. That's what St. Joseph did. In this, they resemble him. Quote, Pope Francis said, the man who goes unnoticed, a daily discreet and hidden presence, who nonetheless played an incomparable role in the history of salvation. That's why we turn to St. Joseph. Francis described Joseph's fatherhood of Jesus as the earthly shadow of the heavenly father. He was the earthly form of the heavenly father. Could you get any greater than that? Mary only. Pope Francis said, a father realizes, listen to this, this one blew me away. No matter what your opinion is, I get it, I understand it. But this is wisdom here. A father realizes, quote, he is most a father and an educator at the point when he becomes useless. When he sees that his child has now become independent and can walk the path of life unaccompanied other than God. Wow. At the conclusion of this letter, he adds another person and he encourages us all, or another prayer, I'm sorry, to this person, St. Joseph, and encourages us to pray. You know what? We're not going to do the final prayer yet, but let's say this prayer that was in this apostolic letter. Let's put the next slide up. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. To you, God entrusted his only son. In you, Mary placed her trust. With you, Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too, show yourself a father and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage and defend us from every evil. Amen. Wow. This is why he's important right now. Why now? Pope Leo XIII, I've told you my favorite pope, presented St. Joseph as a model in a time when the world was facing modernity, cultural relativism, loss of faith. Do you know the May 1st feast, which is relatively recent, 
was intentionally placed on the calendar to counter communist May Day rallies. In 1920, now I'm only giving you what the church says here. I'm not getting political. I'm not bringing in politics. I'm quoting you the church. Please have an open mind and heart. In 1920, Pope Benedict XV prayerfully offered St. Joseph as the special guide and heavily patron of laborers to be immune from the contagion of socialism, which he called the enemy of Christian principles. This is not politics. This is about Christian principles and its enemies. In 1937, Pius XI placed, quote, the vast campaign of the church. May I repeat that? Pope Pius XI placed, quote, the vast campaign of the church against world communism under the standard of St. Joseph, her mighty protector. All right. The church in the past has called on St. Joseph for the protection against communism and socialism. We need to do the same today. This is why St. Joseph is here. John Paul II saw firsthand and he wrote about this. Again, not politics. This is about your very way of life and that of your family and the way you're allowed to worship, if you can worship at all. John Paul II saw firsthand communist attempts to weaken and destroy the family and parental authority in Poland. This is why we need St. Joseph. He said that, that he turned to St. Joseph's fatherhood as a model for his own role as a priest. That is powerful and why we need him today. All right, now, I want to finish last page, last half a page. We're doing good. The plenary indulgences that are offered for the year of St. Joseph. Y'all remember what a plenary indulgence is? All right. Yesterday, I did a homily, and it got cut off. Some technical difficulties. I was getting prepared. I explained the Ten Commandments, and I was getting prepared to explain some incredible temporary graces the Lord is going to give us, or I'm sorry, the church has given us through the Lord, or through the church by the Lord, of the gift of a plenary indulgence for praying for those with the coronavirus, for an end of the epidemic, or those who have died from it. I'm going to explain all that in Monday's homily. So Monday's homily, if you missed and, and that homily got cut off and you didn't get to see it, Monday I'm going to finish that homily. The gift that God is giving us through the church is a temporary gift of plenary indulgences for coronavirus. He's also doing the same for the year of St. Joseph. I want to tell you what this is, and we're going to wrap up. There is a plenary indulgence in this year of St. Joseph, which we are in, for those who contemplate the Lord's Prayer for at least 30 minutes, that's just the Our Father, so in other words, if you just contemplate the words of the other father, even you're just repeating it for at least 30 minutes, or you participate in a spiritual retreat that involves meditation on St. Joseph, and guess what? You're doing it right now. By watching this and meditating on St. Joseph, this is our retreat. This is a one-day retreat, and if you meditate on what this means or what you heard today, you can get a plenary indulgence. And remember what a plenary indulgence is? It's, you're forgiven not only of all sin, but all the punishment due to sin. That's incredible. Basically, it's paying your purgatory time on earth. 
In purgatory, we've got to cleanse and atone for the sins that we've been forgiven of. We have punishment, like the boy breaking the window. The dad forgives him, but he says, you got it, you're grounded. What our Lord does is says, I've forgiven your sins, but you've got to atone for it in purgatory. He's even wiping that out. Plenary indulgence is like, purgato- like paying your purgatory time on earth. And so we have a chance right now, if you do a spiritual retreat, at least one day that involves meditation on St. Joseph. Watch this video, meditate a little bit on what you thought or, wh- or what you heard and how you want to change your life or follow St. Joseph, and you can do that. Now remember then, along with the plenary indulgence, along with doing that act, you got to be, you got to receive, or excuse me, go to confession, or if you can't go, make an act of contrition. Go to Holy Communion, or make a spiritual communion. Pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, usually in our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be, and then try your best to be detached from sin. If you want to see a much more thorough explanation I did, go to our YouTube channel, and under All Souls and All Saints Day, I talk about it, and a purgatory especially. If you go to YouTube and just keyword search Father Chris Alar, A-L-A-R, and purgatory, I go through a whole detail of what a plenary indulgence is and how to get it. Now, there's another plenary indulgence. Those who, after the example of St. Joseph, fulfill a corporal or spiritual work of mercy during the year of St. Joseph, will get the plenary indulgence. Well, remember your, your acts of mercy, the corporal, feed the hungry, you know, um, give thirsty, uh, drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned. This is amazing. Now, what are the spiritual works of mercy? Remember those. Pray for the living and the dead. You can do that today. Admonish the sinner. Whoa, that's a good one. Counsel the doubtful, right? These are all things, the spiritual, that you can do for a soul. Also, a plenary indulgence may be obtained by those who shall daily entrust their life to the protection of St. Joseph. If you do that the rest, every day here on out, you can get a plenary indulgence each day you do it. And all the faithful who shall invoke through prayer the intercession of St. Joseph so that those in search of work may find employment and work for all people that may be dignified. All right, what does that mean? Simply pray through the intercession of St. Joseph that those who need work find it. That's simple. St. Joseph, I get, I read every comment you guys post. I can't always respond to them, and I also read every email you send me. I'm way behind on those. I'm sorry. But you are guys are our Marian family. You guys are part of our family. I know almost all of you now by name, at least your screen name. <laughs> I may not know your real name, but at least your screen name. And I read every comment. And so many of you are saying, please pray for so-and-so to find work, my daughter or my son. Just ask for the intercession of St. Joseph, the patron saint of workers. His feast day, May 1st, is Joseph the worker, and you can get a plenary indulgence. This is incredible grace. Now there's also a chance for you to get a plenary indulgence if you can't fulfill those obligations. If you're sick or homebound, the church has said that if you simply recite an act of piety in honor of St. Joseph, comfort of the sick and patron of a happy death, 
offering your suffering and your hardships, the church will supply for your plenary indulgence. You can't get to confession, church will supply. Can't get to communion, the church will supply. You just have to have the intent when you get better and the church is open that you go back. So don't run half the race and don't finish it. Now, I want to finish before we do our prayer, and I almost forgot it. I'm sorry, I'm glad I just remembered it. With probably the most common question I get about St. Joseph. I don't get the questions about his virtue. I don't get the questions about his role as the foster father of Jesus. I get the questions of, Father, is it okay to bury a statue of St. Joseph to sell my house? That's one of the most common questions I get. All right. Is it okay to bury a a statue of St. Joseph? Okay. The church has not made a definitive statement, yes or no. It's okay, yes, to bury a statue of St. Joseph because that is the actual way we dispose of religious items. If you have a broken rosary, you don't throw it in the garbage, especially if it is blessed, you bury it. So it's absolutely, integrally okay to bury a statue of St. Joseph. It's not dishonorable. It's either burning it or burying it. People are shocked by that. The proper way to dispose an old flag is to bury it or to burn it, not with disrespect though, with honor. So the key with a St. Joseph statue to sell your house is to do it not out of superstition. Like, okay, now magic is going to sell my house. It's to do it reverently asking for the intercession of St. Joseph to sell the house. So if you're asking for his intercession, not superstition, it can be allowed. Now leaving it buried is acceptable because I said that's the way we dispose of religious items. All right, what about being upside down? Why do we choose to bury him upside down? Where did that tradition come from? The tradition came that he was buried upside down, so therefore St. Joseph would be motivated to free himself. And when he would free himself, it would free the house. And the house would be free to be sold. Now the church does not have a position on this. Please don't tell your bishop I said this is dogmatic revelation. It is not. It's tradition, pious, small t. St. Teresa of Avila, let's go back to her. She actually talked about this. She could not find property for a building for a new convent. So she asked the nuns to pray to St. Joseph for his intercession. And she buried a blessed medal of him. And it worked. So to answer the question, it's all about your intention. If you're burying him because you think it's superstition or magic, like a rabbit's foot, no, that's wrong. If you're doing it to piously ask for his intercession and you're disposing it reverently in a nice place area and it's done with dignity, the church does not say it can't be done. So maybe more important is to have your house blessed. I get it that people want the statues and there's even kits, but have your house blessed when you move into it. All right, so now... God bless all of you because we want to finish with our next slide. Actually, our couple more slides. But the prayer to St. Joseph, this is an ancient one. It's over 1,900 years old. Let us pray to St. Joseph in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Next slide. O St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms.
I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. Saint Joseph, patron of departed souls, pray for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you for joining us today. We are so grateful that you've opened your heart to receive. Remember, God says we don't get to, great, to heaven without grace. and We don't get grace without trust. What is trust? Trust is accepting the help offered you. God is giving us the ultimate help in Joseph and Mary in a worldly sense. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate help. But with Joseph, we have everything. We need the help of each other. We need the help. This is why with the body of Christ is heaven, hell, and purgatory. The church triumphant in heaven, the church militant on earth, and the church suffering in purgatory. We need the help of each other. So we just talked about today getting the help from a great saint. Next week, I'm going to be talking about why we have saints. Please join us next Saturday. I'm going to talk all about relics and incorruptible saints. And do we worship the saints? We're going to talk about all that. But we also need the help of each other. And you guys have become our Marian family. If you're not part of our Marian family yet, please consider joining us at micprayers.com. micprayers.com. Brother Mark showing the slide. It's no cost. It doesn't, t it, 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 there's no money. It just, I mean, yeah, if you want to support us financially and keep our mission going, that's beautiful. If God puts it on your heart, God bless you. It's not a requirement. What it is, is you join us so that we pray for you, you pray for us, and you share all the graces by decree of the Holy See. I'm not making this up. I'm the director. I'd be in trouble if I made this up. I'm the director of the Association of Marian Helpers. And being a Marian helper, if you take this and you really want the graces, you'll pray for us, we pray for you. You can receive all the graces of our masses, prayers, rosaries, penances, just like you were a Marian priest of the Immaculate Conception. That's incredible. So join us. It takes less than 10 seconds. Doesn't cost any money. And you know what else? Please, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, hit the like. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Because the more subscribers we have, the more that YouTube places our videos out in the suggested videos to watch of other people. Tons of you have come to our Marian family. You say, Father, I saw your video on, um, on my previews. God's using, you don't think God did that to get you in here? He did it to get you in here. And that's the beautiful grace. He showed that video before you and you responded to it. Help us now get it to even more people. If you haven't subscribed, it's just a click of a button and then click the notification so you'll be you know, notified when we post a new video. God bless all of you. And you know, I didn't have a slide for it, but you can also, I explain all this in my book called Understanding Divine Mercy. Even though we can't understand divine mercy, I explain that in the book that God gives us a way to understand him through divine mercy. And you can get my book, Understanding Divine Mercy, at shopmercy.org. And the DVD that we showed in the beginning is there too. God bless you. And you know what? I'll tell you what else. You can't afford any of these things. Send me an email. I've said this before, and I will send it to you. 
I know that God provides for some that can, you know, support us financially, but there's others who cannot. I'll send it to you. And Father Don Calloway's book today, for any donation. And that was Miriam.org slash stjoseph. God bless you. We're just trying to keep this ministry going. And you guys have been a major part of it. Oh, I can't tell you how honored I am that you're part of our Marian family. Thank you. And God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, I'm Father Chris Aylar, and I'm excited to tell you about the completion of my newest project. It's been a long time in the making. It's called Understanding Divine Mercy, my new book from Marian Press that finally in one place, I feel, gives you the, all the answers of everything you need to know about God's divine mercy. In fact, it answers what is divine mercy, who is St. Faustina, and what message did God give her for the world? How about the Feast of Divine Mercy, and what do you have to do to receive the graces that Jesus promises on this one day of the year? We talk about the meaning of the image, and how to pray the novena, and how to understand the chaplet, and what to do in the hour of mercy, and much, much more answering questions like, why would a merciful God allow such suffering? So please, we hope that you'll pick up a copy of this book for you and your loved ones, because if you get the understanding of what God's mercy is, you will understand why Jesus said it's mankind's last hope of salvation. So please visit us at shopmercy.org or give us a call at 800-462-7426. Thank you, and may Almighty God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.